the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God wants to forgive you. He loves you. But boy, there got to be some serious, I want to change your attitude. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, Love Can Hurt. Has anyone ever tried to come between you and maybe a best friend? All of a sudden, there's drama. Uh, An uncomfortable tension starts to arise. And the person who used to be your best friend starts maybe wavering a little bit. All of a sudden, they're not as available as they once were. Conversations start becoming just a little shorter, and it leaves you wondering if they're still even your friend. Or maybe you have a really good relationship with your boss or your supervisor at work, and then all of a sudden a new hire comes in. It's a a brand new person they just hired. And then all of a sudden the boss or your supervisor seems to distance himself from you as they favor the new person hired. That's when we can think to ourselves, wait a minute, what just happened here? You know, why did everything change? That's when feelings and emotions can start eating away at us on the inside. Well, one of those emotions is called jealousy. And according to the dictionary, to be jealous is to be intolerant of rivalry, which can leave us hostile towards some person who we believe are responsible for causing the problems that we're now experiencing. Then we feel the need to go on guard to protect our job or protect that friend or whatever that that jealousy is over, which could cause us to become overprotective to the point of becoming irrational in our behavior. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 27, 4, wrath is fierce and anger is a flood. But who can stand before jealousy? Yes, jealousy can cause serious problems. One of the reasons jealousy can be so out of control is because our enemy, Satan, can really cause a lot of mistruth to go unanswered. He can work in the realm of our minds, suggesting things to us on the inside that are, well, simply not true. Like if your maid is late getting home from work, he could plant a seed inside of you. They're having an affair. Maybe they just work late and that's it. 
This is why in this day and age when we all have cell phones, maybe it's good to call or give a text message if you're going to be held up at work, you know, letting your significant other know where you're at. Don't allow those type of thoughts to take root in your loved one. Yes, the devil is always ready to fill our minds with wild and crazy untruths. Anything he can do to try to upset our marriages today. As you know, God puts a lot of emphasis on marriage. Let's not forget, in the Bible, a marriage is between a man and a woman. And it is to reflect, it is to actually mirror our future marriage to the Lord, where the Lord will be the groom. And the church, that is, the true believers in Jesus, we will be his bride. Well, today, as we continue in our study through the book of Genesis, we're going to look at a relationship between two sisters. We saw it all kind of come apart last time, so we're going to pick up where we were. Now, Rachel and her older sister Leah have got some serious problems. But I wonder what kind of relationship that they had as sisters, that is, before a certain man named Jacob came into the picture, along with the deceiving move of their own father, Laban, who wanted more free labor out of Jacob. Now, we're not told how much older Leah was than Rachel. We don't know if she was a year older, five years older. We don't know. Yet I wonder if Leah played kind of a mother role to her younger sister, Rachel which is what we would see in families today. You have the little older sister, and she's kind of the little mommy with the new baby and all of these things. We see this all around us, okay, when she was born. Now, the mother of Rachel and Leah, well, we know nothing of her. She's never mentioned. We don't know if she passed away or she's just completely out of the picture. We don't know what happened to her. But I wonder if while they were growing up, that is Leah and Rachel, that they were not maybe really close like most sisters are. Yes, I'm sure they fought from time to time, but that doesn't mean that they weren't extremely tight with one another. And last time, though, we read in Genesis 29:17 that Rachel was extremely beautiful in form and face. Hmm. Okay, so she was just a knockout. But we're told that Leah was, well, how do you say, less attractive? The Bible says that her eyes were weak. Maybe she just looked a little droopy, maybe a little little depressed. Just, you know, who knows what she looked like, you know. But let's just say when the Bible points something like that out, it's probably maybe a little more than what it says. Because if it just would have been normal, it wouldn't have said anything. So let's just say she's not very good looking. But we're not told exactly what for sure. But one thing we do know, Leah didn't get near the attention that her sister Rachel did. And I'm sure after a while, you know, when they got older, possibly in their teenage years and all of this, it probably really started to grate on Leah. My sister gets all of the attention. The boys aren't looking at me at all. But whatever that level of jealousy was before what we studied last time in chapter 29, it is now completely and totally off the charts. As we saw last week, Jacob had worked seven years as a dowry gift 
for Rachel's father. He had nothing to offer for her, so he said, I will give you my life to work in your fields, raising your sheep. I will give myself to you 100%. I will not take one penny for myself, and I will give it all for your daughter's hand, Rachel, in marriage. And the Bible says that he worked seven hard years of labor, but to Jacob, it seemed like just a few days because of his love for Rachel. It's like, oh, it was worth every penny of it. I'd do it again. Well, you're going to have to. But anyway, that's another story. But, but, But then came the wedding. Seven years was up. And Rachel's father Laban went all out. A full-blown feast was prepared, the Bible says. The wedding party was on, and I'm sure the wine was flowing. And it appears that the groom probably had a little bit too much to drink. Because when the feast was over, as the guests were all leaving, Rachel was nowhere in sight. So Jacob, like all grooms, was heading over to the much-anticipated honeymoon night because there was no hanky-panky before the marriage. And so he's like, okay, where is she? She's nowhere to be. Oh, she's got to be in the tent. I'm going to the tent. I'm going in. (laughs) Anyway, that's another thing, which ended up being his biggest nightmare ever. For Laban, Rachel's father was somehow able to take Rachel And I don't know if he put a ball and chain on her, locked her in the closet, put her in the dungeon. I mean, she had to be fit to be tied. I mean, it's like this is her wedding night. And her father's like, "Uh, here, come here. And boom, locks her up somewhere. And we're not told, but he had to have somehow. She was looking forward to that wedding night too. Then he goes to Leah, the unattractive older sister, and does the old switcheroo. And with no lights on in the tents, not like 20th century, they didn't have a generator running outside the tent with LED lights and candles going. It was a dark tent, you know, hubby, you know, coming in from drinking and celebrating and all of this, you know, he's feeling around. "Uh, Are you in here? Mm hmm. Where are you? I hear you. (laughs) I'm coming in, you know, and it's like he pulls the covers back and man, he's feeling her on jackpot. Okay. So, and everything was great until the next morning. I mean, just imagine this guys. I mean, just imagine with me. It's like you're laying there the next morning. It's like, maybe you didn't go to sleep till four o'clock in the morning, but whatever. It's noontime. Okay. You're waking up like, oh, oh, best night of my life. I mean, okay, because Rachel, beautiful in face and form, you look over and there's the droopy one, okay? And she's like, hi, sugar plum. (laughs) It's like, oh, I mean, you talk about sobering up. Instantly, he jumps up. Hopefully, he took enough time to put his clothes on or this would be the first time of streaking recorded in the Bible. But anyway, hopefully he threw his clothes on He runs, the Bible says. He runs. I'm sure it's the fastest 100-yard dash you've ever seen over to Laban. What have you done? What have you done to me? You have deceived me, he said. Isn't it amazing? Now, listen up now. Listen up. Isn't it amazing how horrified we are when we 
get put in the club. When someone has the audacity to do something against us, they talk behind our back. I can't believe you backstabbed me. When something is stolen from us, I remember when my tools got stole out of my car, like, how could this happen to me? I can't believe it. Yet, when we tell our little white lies, when we talk about others behind their backs, when we take something that doesn't belong from us from work, oh, that's totally different. It doesn't seem near as bad. Let's remember Jacob deceived his older brother out of the blessing along with his father Isaac completely deceived and lied to his father to steal the family blessing on his life and as we saw last time now he's having to pay a price for it Jacob is reaping what he sowed get this from seven plus years ago He's reaping what he sowed from seven years ago. It's seven years later. Isn't that, stop and think for a second. Isn't that a sobering thought? When we do something wrong and bad and we haven't truly repented over our sin, that there will always be a price to pay for it? I'm sure that after seven years had gone by, do you think Jacob is still thinking about how he conned his brother and worked his dad out of the family blessing? He's not even thinking about it anymore. Oh, that's so 1990. Okay, it's like "Eh, seven years ago, whatever. Yet the law of reaping what you sow is a spiritual law. And that law will always come back on us. And we as Christians... We must not forget that because God can and will forgive our sin if we seek him, right? But he will only forgive our sin if we are truly sorry and we choose to turn away from that sin. Know this, if we break the law of God, God can forgive us. That's what he does. But we will still have to pay a price for it. I mean, like we could go out and we could rob a bank. Hey, you know what? This whole COVID thing's getting me. I got more time on my hands. I planned out, I'm going to go rob a bank. And you could go rob a bank, but then you get caught. Now, can God forgive you for robbing that bank? Absolutely. God can totally forgive you for robbing that bank. But you're still going to have to go to jail for robbing the bank. You can still serve God. You say, but but God, I'm serving you now. And God's like, well, you can still serve me. But now your ministry will be a full-time prison ministry. (laughs) firsthand. But I also want to point out, if we say, God, please forgive me, but we don't have a heart of true repentance, like we're saying the words while we're kind of thinking about doing it again, meaning we're not really truly sorry, and we don't have a broken heart because of what we did that was wrong, and there's not really any desire inside of our heart to really change then God's not going to forgive us. Understand, when we come to God for his forgiveness, we come to him on, listen, his terms, not our terms. It's God's terms, okay? And what does God demand in repentance? Again, the very word repentance means I'm walking in a certain direction. And to repent is to stop, turn directions, and walk another way. So repentance means I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. 
I'm going to change directions and I'm not going to do that thing anymore. Now, look, I understand we all, you know, look, we all mess up and then we have certain weaknesses and oh, I might go do that again. That doesn't mean that God didn't forgive you last time. It just means, okay, you fell to that thing again because you're more prone to that thing. But every time that you come to God, if you're not serious about, okay, this is the last time. Now, Maybe it's not the last time. Maybe you're going to have to come back again. But as far as you know, right then, this is going to be the last time. And God, I am so sorry. I'm just broken over this thing. God will always forgive you. God wants to forgive you. He loves you. But boy, there got to be some serious, I want to change your attitude when God forgives you. But if you're just like, yeah, you know, God, you know, forgive me. And I'm off to you, the wizard, the wonderful wizard. Okay. No, it's like, no, you have to like... Stop, change direction. Now, if you fall into that pit again later, then you need to stop again and change directions again. But again, there has to be this level of, of, of you're serious before God. Remember, God doesn't just look on the outside. See, man looks on the outside. I'm so sorry. Oh, look how sorry they are. And on the inside, they're like, yeah, whatever. See, God looks on the inside. And when we're like, I hate myself, I can't believe I did this. You know, it's like, I'm so sorry, Lord. He's absolutely forgive you. Now, you might have to go to the same, for the same thing again another time, but that time you are forgiven because, again, God looks on the inside. Just remember, God wants to forgive you. He desires to forgive you, but we have to be serious. And if you start playing games with God and start playing a word, you know, semantics with God, and da-da-da-da, I'm sorry, you forgive me, and then you just keep going. It's like there's no forgiveness there. Just remember that. And you will reap what you sow. God is very patient with us. He's very kind with us. But you keep toying with God, and you keep playing with that thing, and you're not really repenting of that thing. God one day will let you eat it because of that thing. That's just what he does. But getting back here to Jacob and him waking up next to Leah, that horrifying moment instead of Rachel, maybe Laban was thinking he's doing Leah a favorite. You know, I'm doing you a favor, girl. I'm going to hook you up here because obviously she went along with it. Yet all he does is so the fruit of jealousy that would last a lifetime in his family. It will last a lifetime. This was so unfair to Leah. And again, she's not innocent. She's the one that said, okay, let me go sneak under the covers. You know, she went along with it. She's not innocent here by any stretch of the imagination. And now Jacob's married to her. And even worse You know what's worse than Jacob being married to Leah? Is Leah is married to a man who will never, ever love her. How fair is that to Leah? Because Jacob only desired Rachel. He never wanted Leah. I don't want the droopy-eyed girl. I, I worked for seven years for Rachel. Yes, he loves Leah's sister, not Leah. Imagine how horrible that would be. There have been religions over the years that have allowed this multiple marriages. You know, it's called polygamy. The Mormon church allowed it for years, and then now the main Mormon church, okay, so now they're saying, now you shouldn't do this. But then there's other factions of the Mormon church that still allow polygamy and multiple wives and what have you. We even have TV shows like Sister Wives, you know, that glorify this lifestyle. But here's the reality in polygamy. 
your man is split between other women. That's not going to cause any jealousy. There's not going to be any infighting with that. This was never in God's plan. In the Garden of Eden, just so you know, when Adam fell into the deep sleep, remember? God only pulled one rib out of Adam's side, not two. And God created a woman, a woman, to be the completion of the man. Meaning that man is not complete without a woman. As all you ladies are like, well, obviously. (laughs) It's like, and it's like, so there is a man and a woman for a man. God only created one Eve for Adam, not multiple Eves for Adam. And yes, there were certain individuals in the Bible that did have more than one wife. Absolutely, you'll see it several times in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that God okayed it. God is just recording what they did. And the many times you'll see in the Bible, just like this whole mess of jealousy that we're going to look at today, this is a mess. What the heck is this doing in the Bible? Because God's recording the mess so that we don't duplicate the mess. Okay, so God records for us, David and his son Solomon had multiple wives because Solomon watched his dad do it and he took right after his dad and he did the same thing, multiple wives. But what a mess that was. They were clearly disobeying what God's word said back in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. Deuteronomy 17, 17 says, he warned the king saying, neither shall you multiply wives for yourself. Least they turn your heart away. And not only did it turn David's heart away, it turned his son's Solomon's heart away. Solomon had all these wives, hundreds of wives. And what did it do? Turned his heart away. Now, we see the three books that Solomon wrote in the Bible. One is the Song of Solomon, which is a love story about his one wife. But then, of course, we go to the next book of Proverbs, and that was in the midlife of Solomon. And that is, you know, again, the book of Proverbs. And, and again, it shows this wisdom because God gave him a gift of wisdom. And he was the wisest man that's ever lived on the planet. Uh, Proverbs, by the way, is 31 chapters. It'd be great to do a devotional in that for one month, 31 days in a month, do one chapter of Proverbs a day. And it's great for gaining wisdom for yourself. But then the third book of his life was Ecclesiastes. And you see a bitter old guy that was burned out on life. And you see life is vanity of vanity. It's all emptiness because his heart was turned away by his many wives. And it seems when you get to the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes that he kind of comes to his senses and he says, hey, look, after all has been said and done, serve the Lord and obey his commandments. That's what he learned through all of that mess in his life. Yes, but getting back here to Leah, she was left out, she was unloved, and she was unwanted by her husband. But the Lord, because of his great mercy and his grace and his love for Leah. Now, again, Leah is guilty as a dog because she went along with it. And when that old drunken husband came thinking he was making love to his wife that he waited seven years for Rachel in that dark tent. You know, she just deceived and deceived and deceived, thinking in her head, well, he's going to end up loving me. Well, he never did, and it was just a mess. But God saw and had mercy on Leah, and he reached out to her. He didn't care if she wasn't as beautiful as Rachel, because, again, God doesn't look on the outside. So God opened her womb. 
In fact, in the last four verses of chapter 29, Leah bore four sons to Jacob. And that was honorable in this day for a wife to bear sons for her husband to carry on the family name. She even said, maybe now my husband will love me because she knew she's not loved. She's not even liked. At one point, she was like, well, maybe he'll just like me. No, no, I don't think he even likes you. But I'm sure Jacob, he loved those boys, though, because those were his boys. But it didn't change his heart towards lying and deceiving Leah. We're going to consider three points in light of our title, Love Can Hurt. Number one, a jealous envy. Number two, we're going to look at a jealous response. Oh, you're going to come to me with jealousy? You know, Leah says, I'm going to come back at you all the same. And then number three, a promise kept. God comes in and his promise will always be kept. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 